Southeast Radio's Business Matters with Carl Fitzpatrick. Southeast Radio. Welcome back to Southeast Radio's Business Matters with me, Carl Fitzpatrick. My final guest this morning is global sales consultant and author Andy Goal. Andy has developed the urgency-based selling model and is an advocate for heroic selling. Now Andy is set to publish his book, Innovate Now, Scale Up with 16 Sales Breakthrough Techniques. Andy, you've developed many sales models and techniques during your career, but perhaps you can tell us about the man behind these ideas. I decided I was going to become an economics professor. I started a PhD program at UC Berkeley, decided it wasn't for me, decided I wanted to go out and start my own business. My first business I started at the age of 30. It was a sales agency. I was selling a novelty product for the company for which I had been working. And so I went out on my own in 1984, and I was selling this novelty uh, decorative tin to food packers, and I built it to about $7 million a year in sales. I, I saw an opportunity to develop a consumer product, I developed a, a puzzle-related uh, product and sold it to most retailers in the United States. So talk to me about the puzzle and how you got the $7 million in growth from that particular business. Well, it was the way in which I came to develop principles of urgency-based selling, one of the principles being do or die. And I was struggling for the first two years. In the second year I was in business, it looked like I was going to go under. And I found uh, a huge prospect that could buy a million dollars of my product and would put me on the map. And when I called on them, uh, the prospect said, I'm good. We're buying from your competitor. We've been buying from them for five years. And uh, that was a pretty rough year for me. A few months later, my wife, pregnant with our second child, went on bed rest because she was having uh, premature contractions. My son is fine, but we thought we were going to lose the baby. And we lost her income and insurance. And then in the summer of 1986, uh, the engine had cracked on my car, and I was in a, uh, like an emotional freefall. And I didn't know which way to turn. Hopefully, your listeners are never in this situation, but perhaps in me sharing this story, they'll give, it'll give them some f- fuel for thought if they're facing a crisis. So I asked myself a critical question, who's the real decision maker here? Who's the real decision maker? Is it the manufacturer who's buying the decorative tin and putting candy in the tin and shipping them out? They were buying a million of them. And it, it became obvious to me that the real decision maker was the food buyer at the retail chain. So I, uh, I took my last marketing money and I, I put out what I called a bold vision. I presented a bold vision to these food buyers of how they could have a customized, a customized offering. And I reached out to 400 retailers around the country. And you know the old saying, it's, it's more important to be lucky than smart. I got lucky. Out of 400 retailers in the United States, uh, one responded, Walmart. And they wanted it now. So what happened is I got a call a couple of weeks after sending out the mailing from this big prospect, not from the buyer who said, I'm good, but from one of the owners who said, would you like to come with me on a joint sales call to Walmart? And so... That's how I got networked into Walmart. I eventually got to meet other buyers there, and it was from that my business took off. So, Andy, what is urgency-based selling, and what are the concepts which underpin this particular approach? Well, there's three or four key concepts. Uh, The first one is to always seek out urgency, to create urgency. And we contrast 
interest with urgency. So interest is the result of marketing, and urgency is the province of selling. So you can never close interest, zero out of 100 times. And it's our job to grow, to build interest into urgency. It's okay if it starts out as interesting, as, as, as uh, interest, which is marketing. It's a lead. But the reason why we need phenomenal salespeople is we have to grow interest into urgency. And the way to do that is with a bold vision, proving your case to the skeptic, to the risk-averse person, and with bold behavior. As I mentioned at the beginning of the interview, you have penned a book entitled Innovate Now, Scale Up with 16 Breakthrough Sales Ideas. While the title tells the listener what the book is about, what prompted you to write a book on the subject? Well, I wanted to share a message that was meaningful. And I have felt, I've, I've had over 100 clients since I started uh, the consulting. And I have felt that a, a big problem is a lack of uh, uh, creativity and innovation. So I decided to offer what I think are huge innovative ideas that could be helpful to companies and, in addition, methods uh, for doing your own creativity. So fish and learning how to fish, to use the metaphor. That was my motivation. If you've just tuned in, I'm speaking to Andy Gall. Andy, central to your book and the urgency-based selling technique is the concept of heroic selling. What is heroic selling and how can it be perfected? The reason why I, 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 I fixed on this idea of the heroic salesperson is, is kind of like, because the common view of a salesperson is they're slimy. And uh, our culture has been infected by negative imagery uh, from, from books, movies, plays like Death of a Salesman, where Willie Loman, uh, the, the, uh, the slimy loser, the anti-hero, does lousy things, cheats on his wife, cheats in life, and commits suicide at the end. And whether or not folks are familiar with that uh, piece of of art, uh, that book, that story, whether or not they're familiar with it, they've probably run into people in their lives who say, ooh, that's that's like a used car salesman. I wouldn't do that. And I see this as so sad because the average salesperson is doing heroic work. I'll describe why in a moment. And they're facing negative attitudes. But what's even worse is very often salespeople have internalized these negative ideas within themselves. And they take themselves out of the game. Salespeople, in fact, are heroic. At what point in the story does the salesperson become a hero? And the common answer in all cultures is when the person raises their hand and says, I'll go. Why? Because they're facing risk. They're facing uncertainty. And I use this metaphor because true salespeople are facing risk and uncertainty every day. They're going out into hostile, a potentially hostile environment when they're doing true business development, when they're creating new relationships and opening new accounts. Of course, they don't face a fire-breathing dragon in, in the mythical sense, but they face dragons of the mind the worst of which is the closed mindset. And what makes salespeople heroes is they open the closed mind. And how do they do it? How do they open the closed mind, right? So they they show the prospect that he or she or they are on a false peak. So imagine in your mind's eye two mountains right next to each other. And your prospect is on one of the mountains. And he or she is looking down and saying, hey, I'm doing pretty good. And in the process of looking down, they don't look up and see there's a better, bigger mountain next door. 
And what heroic salespeople do is they open the closed mind of the prospect. They make them look up instead of down and help them realize that they could achieve greater heights of well-being. And the way they do this, the heroic salesperson does this, bold vision, bold behavior, they persist in the face of resistance. And key to the bold vision is what we call type three knowledge. So there are three types of knowledge. Type one knowledge means you know what you know. Type two is you know what you don't know. And type three is you don't know, you don't realize what you don't know. So the heroic salesperson who is, pers- who is persisting, the bold vision contains as its essence new information of which the prospect is unaware. Andy, what are your thoughts in relation to business-to-business salespeople out there today? What are they doing right? But more importantly, what are they doing wrong? I think that most people who go into sales are gregarious, and they're very good at, at forming social relationships not so good at forming business relationships. That's, that's the big problem. And another thing they're not good at is challenging the prospect's thinking. Because in their endeavor to become um, liked, they don't want conflict. They avoid conflict. So they're good at forming social relationships, not so good at, at forming business relationships, which requires them to challenge the prospect's thinking. One of the big challenges for salespeople is that they go out and they attend a prospect meeting and they have a great conversation, they identify what the needs of their clients are, and they go off to develop a proposal or to come back to them with a quotation, which is usually sent by email. But then the problem that they run into is when they come back to ringing and following up that particular potential client with a call after they've sent out that quotation or proposal, they're unable to get in touch with them. What advice have you got for salespeople in that particular scenario? Well, the reason why they can't get back in touch is the prospect was probably buying something different than they were selling. The prospect was doing price shopping. And so ideally, although you can't always do it, um, the prospect really needs to know you well enough to make a decision before you give them the price. And the ideal principle we recommend is called the pick or payment in kind method, whereby we ask prospects to do reasonable behaviors to show they are engaged uh, before we give them a price. And such behaviors could include uh, introducing us to their boss. It could be checking a reference. It could be filling out a credit application. And, And the rule is you need a powerful sales presentation to earn the right to a powerful payment in kind a behavior by the prospect to show that he or she is engaged in the process as a participant and not a spectator. For the business-to-business salespeople that are out there trying to organize meetings on a cold-calling basis, what advice have you got for them? I have found that introductions are the best way to get meetings. And if you're not going to go with introductions or you don't get enough through introductions, before you wear yourself out with phone calls... There's a lot you could do with social media to, to generate leads. I've been having a lot of success with it myself. For instance, there are programs, there are bolt-ons to LinkedIn where you make lots of connections and you only worry about the ones who respond to you. But if, if all you've got left is um, cold calling, then you need to be really good to respond to the I'm good objection. So when a prospect says to you, I'm good, as an example, on the phone or belly to belly, you might say, wow, you're just good. All my clients require fantastic. 
Aren't you curious as to what fantastic looks like? Don't you want to invite me in and find out? So we have five or six different scripts we've worked out to respond to the I'm good objection. Now, many of the industries right across the world today are unbelievably price competitive. So for anyone that is operating in a price-sensitive market, what advice have you got for those salespeople? If there's literally nothing else that you offer, there's no reason why a new prospect should buy from you. If there is something that you offer, is there something special you do? Even if it's something that the salesperson only does, it's their job to monetize it, to show there's an ROI, to be able to be in the position to say, yes, my product costs more, but you make more money when you buy from us. As an example, I have a client, a manufacturer, whose stock and trade is they deliver on a consistent basis. By, by delivering on a, a consistent basis, they cut down on the churn of their customer's customer. And so even though they charge more and their customers pay them more, they actually make more profit buying from them. If you can't identify some factor like that, my feeling is, why should they buy from you? Now, salespeople right across the world are constantly faced with procrastinating buyers. What advice have you got in that respect for salespeople? We have what we call a three strikes and you're out policy that we implement. And it comes from you know, the U.S., uh, the American baseball game of baseball, where you get three strikes and you're out. And the application is, if you're calling on a prospect and you make three legitimate tries to break through, and you bring bold vision, bold behavior improving, and you're getting nowhere, we escalate. Now, sometimes it's two times and you're out. It could be four times, so it could be tailored to the situation. But the idea is don't beat a dead horse. You're you're probably dealing with a decision maker who just doesn't care enough about the organization. And the escalation is usually going above his or her head, going to the owner, going to the president, going to the CFO, and taking your case elsewhere. Earlier I told uh, the story of where I bypassed the manufacturer and I went to the retailer. So my view is you should go to the logical choice, uh, the person who would be the decision maker, but, but if they're not responding, escalate. And actually, I prefer to start in any organization by calling on the CEO or the owner first. If he or she is the wrong person, they'll direct you, and there's any interest, they'll direct you to the right person, and now you're coming in with a politically endorsement from somebody who's higher up in the food chain. And Andy, finally, as we look to the future of sales, what do you see in the telescope? Well, it's interesting. You know, when the Internet became prevalent, There were predictions that this was going to be the end of selling. Everything was going to be automated. My view is, so far, there are are some simple decisions that can be automated. But as long as decisions have certain qualities, including uncertainty, education, risk, big dollar amounts, my view is that personal selling will be required. And uh, for what it's worth... In the New York City metro area in the United States, the number one job that's in short demand that you can't find a person to fill is selling. And nationwide in the U.S., it's, it's number three, or it was the last time uh, LinkedIn did a survey on it. I think a, uh, you know, artificial intelligent scientists and genetic biologists were number one and two or something like that. So maybe this is wishful thinking and confirmation bias, but I think there's a bright future for salespeople 
in the years ahead. Well, if you've just tuned in, that was Andy Gall, author of Innovate Now, Scale Up with 16 Sales Breakthrough Techniques. And I wish him every success with his new book. We're almost at closing time here now at Business Matters, but before we go, I'd like to take this opportunity to thank my production team, my guests for their contribution, and especially you as always for listening. Join me again next Saturday morning when we'll have more from the world of business. But until then, have a profitable week. Southeast Radio's Business Matters with Carl Fitzpatrick.